We continue this afternoon in the book of Ezekiel. Please turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 3. Going to read verses 12 to 27, and we're focusing on 16 through 27, a watchman for the house of Israel. Chapter 3 in the 12th verse. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, the noise of the wheels beside them, and a great thunderous noise. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me, Then I came to the captives at Tel Aviv who dwelt by the river Chebar, and I sat where they sat and remained there, astonished among them seven days. And now we begin here at verse 16, our text 16 and following. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked... That he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand." Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. The hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. So I arose and went out into the plain, And behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, like the glory which I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell on my face. Then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet and spoke with me and said to me, Go, shut yourself inside your house. And you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute and not be one to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, he who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. So far, the reading of God's holy word. Cities of the ancient world were often protected by defensive stone walls so that 
enemies could not quickly come upon them and overthrow them. On top of the walls at the city gates, watchmen were posted. It was their task to guard the walls day and night against enemy attack or siege. When a watchman scanned the horizon and saw the dust of an approaching army, he was responsible to warn the citizens of impending attack by sounding a trumpet. It was through the warning of the watchman that the city was protected. It was through the trumpet blast that the inhabitants of the city would know that danger was near. Watchmen were extremely important. They were essential for the well-being of the city. Without alert, vigilant, faithful watchmen, the city would easily be defeated and overthrown. The safety of the city was dependent upon sober, sensible watchmen. Well, brothers and sisters, the prophets of the Old Testament served as watchmen over the nation of Israel. The Lord said in Jeremiah 6, verse 17, I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpets. The prophets were commissioned and charged to warn God's people of impending judgment because of their sin. They were called to sound the trumpet, to warn the nation of any impending threat. The prophets stood, as it were, on the walls of Zion. They sounded the alarm that danger was near. The danger that they alerted the people to was not, first of all, the danger of foreign aggressors, powerful armies. In this case, the enemy was none other than the Lord himself. The danger that they alerted God's people to was the danger of God's judgment upon covenant breakers. His wrath upon sinners. The watchman had to sound the trumpet, calling the people in Zion to repent of their sin, turn from it, and forsake it. The congregation, the prophet Ezekiel was chosen by the Lord to be a watchman, a watchman for the house of Israel. From our text, chapter 3, verses 16 through 27, we want to consider first his duty as a watchman. And second, his need for divinely directed discourse as a watchman. First, his duty. His duty. Having seen a vision of the glory of God, chapter 1, and having received a call to the prophetic office, chapter 2, at the beginning of chapter 3, Ezekiel was brought back to the real world among the captives by the river Chebar. For seven days, he sat with them, utterly astonished by what he had seen and heard. For a whole week, he sat among the captives, completely overwhelmed, as in a state of shock. But when seven days had passed, the word of the Lord came to him once again. The Lord said this, look with me in your Bibles to verse 17. Son of man. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Ezekiel was not invited to be a watchman. He was assigned to the task. God did not come to him and say, I have a position that I would like you to consider. Think about it for a few days. No. The Lord came to Ezekiel and he said, I have made you a watchman. God appointed him to a position of great responsibility over the house of Israel. 
It wasn't a position he asked for or was looking for. God assigned him to it. Congregation, sometimes the Lord puts us in a situation and gives us responsibilities that we did not ask for and perhaps would rather not have. Sometimes he gives us responsibilities that we never dreamed we would have. He gives us a job and expects us to fulfill our duties faithfully. Ezekiel was given a weighty task to perform. A watchman was responsible for the lives of numerous people. He was only 30 years old, just a young man. He did not have years of experience for the task, yet the Lord appointed him as a watchman. As a ship's captain is responsible for the lives of his passengers and crew. As a pilot is responsible for the lives of those on his aircraft, so Ezekiel was responsible for the souls of God's covenant people. He could not use his age as an excuse to shirk his duty. Lord, I think someone older, wiser, and more years of experience would be a more appropriate choice, someone more qualified. No, Ezekiel had to surrender to God's sovereign choice. For the rest of his life, he was to be a watchman. He could not live for himself or decide his future task according to his own natural desires. He had to bear the responsibility that God gave him to the day of his death. Now in verses 17 to 21, we get an idea of what Ezekiel was called to do, his job description. The word that stands out in these verses is what? The word warning or warn. Verses 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 all contain the word warning or warn. That is at the heart of Ezekiel's task. The warning that he had to give was not one that he himself had devised. It was given directly by the Lord. Verse 17, have a look there again. Verse 17 says, Son of man... I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. Ezekiel had to first of all hear a word from God's mouth, which means he had to hear directly from God himself. Then that word which he received from the mouth of God had to be passed on to the people. Ezekiel had to listen first of all. He had to listen. He had to pay attention to the message of God. Then, having heard the word of God, he had to speak. The warnings that he was called to proclaim were directed to two classes of people. Did you notice that as we read the passage? The wicked in verses 18 and 19, and the righteous in verses 20 and 21. First, our text mentions his need to warn the wicked. Look with me, please, to verse 18. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. Who are the wicked? The wicked are those who violate God's covenant and reject his word. Those who do not have God and the gospel at the center of their life. Those who do not cherish the messianic promises. The wicked are those who live by their own rules, set their own standard, and ignore the will of God as revealed in the Scriptures. 
In Psalm 1, the wicked are those who do not delight in the law of the Lord or meditate on it. They do not bring themselves under the authority of God. Ezekiel must speak to them in the name of God, warning them not to continue in their wickedness, but to turn away from it. In other words, Ezekiel must call them to repentance. The Shorter Catechism asks the question, what is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, doth, with grief and hatred of his sin, turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Repentance is a recognition of sin, sorrow for sin, turning from sin, and a determination to avoid sin. True repentance includes a change in direction. The sinner must turn from his sin and turn to Christ in trust and dependence. Ezekiel must call the wicked to turn. If he does not warn the wicked, if he closes his eyes or turns his head and pretends not to see, what will happen to the wicked? Verse 18 says, he shall surely die. The wicked man shall die in his iniquity. That is the message of Scripture from the very beginning. The wages of sin is death. God said to Adam, if you disobey my command, you shall surely die. Sin and wickedness lead to death. If there's no repentance, the wicked die eternally. They come under the eternal wrath and just condemnation of God from which there is no relief and no escape. But notice, congregation, that if Ezekiel fails to warn the wicked, there are not only consequences for the wicked, but there are also consequences for Ezekiel himself. Look at the last line of verse 18. God said, if you do not warn the wicked, he shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. If Ezekiel failed to blow the trumpet, sound the alarm, and warn the wicked of the consequences of their ways, he would have blood on his hands. God would hold him responsible because he failed to set before them the challenge by which they could have been delivered. If souls perished because of his negligence, Ezekiel would have to render an account. Congregation, does this apply also today? When leaders in the church close their eyes to sin in the lives of their members and say nothing about it, yes, God will hold them accountable for the condemnation of the souls entrusted to their care. When we who are elders allow souls to perish because of our silence, we will render an account before the Lord. What a tremendous responsibility God places upon those in office. Nothing is more precious to the Lord than the souls of his covenant people. When church leaders neglect to warn the wayward and fail to point them to the cross so that they end up perishing in their sin, God holds those leaders responsible. 
The Apostle Paul understood this. He knew that he had a great responsibility placed upon him. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16, necessity is placed upon me. Yes, woe is me. If I do not preach the gospel, I am compelled to preach. It is farewell addressed to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. You remember what Paul said? He said, I testify to you this day that I am what? Innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Also in Acts 18, verse 6, when Paul departed from the city of Corinth, he said to the Jewish leaders of the synagogue, Your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean. He had taught them from the scriptures, told them the gospel of Christ, called them to believe in the Messiah, but they refused, the, resisted the truth, refused it, opposed Paul's message, and began to speak against him. Paul said, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. He had done his duty, and he would not be held responsible if they perished. He was guiltless before the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if church leaders today remain silent when they see God's covenant people living in disobedience and showing apathy toward the gospel, such leaders will face God's chastisement. If a member is, is running a dishonest or ungodly business and the leaders say nothing, God will hold them accountable for that man's death. His blood I will require at your hand. If a member's living in a sinful relationship and the elders say nothing, God will hold them accountable. His blood I will require at your hand. If a member begins to promote heresy in the church and the elders ignore it and let him go on in his error, deceived and deceiving, and they say or do nothing about it, God will hold them accountable for that man's death. His blood I will require at your hand. If a family in the church is living an irresponsible lifestyle, neglecting worship and participating in the world's unhealthy entertainment, finding their pleasure in things that God forbids, and neglecting to find superior pleasure in God himself, if the elders simply look the other way, the Lord says, of their blood I will require at your hands. That if young people are living indifferent or rebellious lives, failing to commit themselves to Christ and His church, and the leaders say nothing, God will hold the shepherds accountable for their death, their blood I will require at your hand. With those church leaders stand before the Lord, He will say, Why did you not sound the trumpet? Why were you an unfaithful watchman? You knew something was wrong. You knew that those souls entrusted to your care were not living by my word. You knew that they were following the road to hell. Why did you not issue the warning? Why did you not challenge them? Why did you not go to them with my law and gospel? Why did you neglect their souls? Brothers and sisters, what a solemn responsibility is given to the leaders of the church. Pray for your elders that they would be faithful watchmen over the people of God.
Pray for those who stand at this pulpit that we would faithfully proclaim the whole counsel of God, calling sinners to turn from their sin and urging them to find refuge in Jesus Christ, the blood of the cross. But then I also want to remind you that this applies not only to leaders in the church, but there's a sense in which it applies to everyone who professes to be a Christian, doesn't it? If you see your brother living in sin, you are to approach him. If you see your sister transgressing the word of God, you are to lovingly warn her. If you see your son or daughter violating God's will, you are to warn them. A father who sees his children in rebellion or showing indifference and says nothing about it will be held accountable for his children's damnation. A mother who knows that her children are wayward and says nothing about it will be held accountable for her children's condemnation. Parents are watchmen, as it were, over their own homes. They're to sound the trumpet. They are to warn, challenge, and set before their wayward children the law and the gospel, the beauty, the glory, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. If they remain silent, and allow their children to continue in sin without warning them. God says, their blood I will require at your hand. I have known professing Christian parents whose teenage sons and daughters came home at all hours of the night or morning, sometimes tipsy, sometimes having returned from a bar, sometimes having returned from a questionable party, and the parents said nothing to them. No questions, no challenges, no message from God. Instead of saying, my son, no drunkard will inherit the kingdom of God. My daughter, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom? Do not count the blood of the covenant a common thing. Do not insult the spirit of grace. Instead of warning them of the consequences of their ways, they said nothing at all. Nothing at all. Brothers and sisters, when we as elders as individuals or as parents fail to warn the wicked, God says his blood I will require at your hand. Furthermore, not only was Ezekiel called to warn the wicked, but our text also mentions his need to warn the righteous. Look with me please in your Bibles to verse 20. Verse 20. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Who are the righteous in this verse? It seems they are those who profess to love, serve, and worship God. They read the scriptures and profess to believe. There are those who at least outwardly apply the law of God. They demonstrate zeal for worship, possess positive qualities, and appear to be morally upright individuals. Verse 20 is not referring to those who possess the imputed righteousness of Christ, for they can never fall away. 
It's not referring to those who are regenerated by the Spirit of God, for they can never lose their salvation. God preserves his elect to the very end. It seems to me that the righteous of verse 20 are those who have the outward signs of faith and obedience, who show excitement for the things of God, but then begin to backslide and become cold, indifferent, or even opposed to the word of God. Jesus mentioned such people in the parable of the sower. Do you remember? The seed that fell on stony places sprang up. They hear the word, receive it with joy, but soon wither during times of tribulation or persecution. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and they become unfruitful. Jesus taught that there are some who could have all the outward signs of faith and obedience and yet fall into sin and finally perish in sin. For a time they appear to be righteous, but it does not arise from a pure and regenerate heart. It seems these are the kind of people that God was speaking of in verses 20 and 21. It's Ezekiel's task to warn them when they turn from their righteousness and commit iniquity. When they depart from the word, backslide, and fall into a lifestyle of sin and rebellion, Ezekiel must call them to return to the Lord. If he fails to do so, and God sets a stumbling block before him, the apostate man will die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. But the blood of the apostate, God will require at Ezekiel's hand. He will answer for their destruction. On the other hand, go to verse 21. We read, nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. Congregation, how wonderful it is when a backslider sees his error, turns from his sin, and acknowledges it before God. What a blessing it is for elders when they see that godly spirit of repentance in their members. What a joy when their warnings are heeded. Verse 21 indicates that it's beneficial for everyone. The apostate sinner who is restored will live because he heeded the warning, and the one who brings the word will be innocent of their blood. Brothers and sisters, verses 20 and 21 remind us that those, those in the church who appear to be righteous are also capable of falling away. Those who have confessed the name of Christ and have labored in His church are capable of falling into a lifestyle that is repulsive to the Lord. Some can and do fall into apostasy. Paul said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. We need to heed the words of the apostle who said, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
A righteous man can turn from his righteousness, commit iniquity, and die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. Let us heed the warning. For even those who appear to be the very best of men can fall away. Let us exhort and challenge one another. Watch and pray lest we enter into temptation. Do not reject the admonition of fellow Christians or the admonition of your elders. Don't plug your ears when they blow the trumpet. Don't dismiss it as an annoying sound. Rather, let us turn back to the Word, back to our God, back to the Gospel, back to the cross, the way that leads to everlasting life. Well, we need to move on to verses 22 through 27 where we see His divinely directed discourse as a watchman. Point number two, His divinely directed discourse. In verse 22... The hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel, and the Lord said to him, Arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. So Ezekiel arose and went into the plain. And there he once again saw the glory of the Lord, the same glory that he had seen a week earlier by the river Chebar. Presumably, he saw God's throne chariot drawn by the four heavenly creatures, the cherubim. He saw the likeness of a throne with the appearance of a man high above it. He saw the fire, the lightning, the brightness, and the appearance of a brilliant rainbow. He saw an appearance of the glory of God. And as he had done a week earlier, so again, verse 23b, he fell on his face before this awesome sight in adoration, fear, and awe. He knew that he was in the presence of the great king. But immediately the spirit entered him, set him on his feet, and gave him some instructions. It is these directives that we want to focus on for just a few minutes in our time remaining. In the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, you'll find several instances where the prophet is told to use symbolic actions as a means to communicate his message. He has to act out his message to illustrate an important point. Most of his symbolic actions were for the instruction of Israel. But it seems that the very first one was primarily for Ezekiel's own benefit. What did the Lord tell him to do? Well, look at verse 24. Then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet and spoke with me and said to me, Go, shut yourself inside your house. Ezekiel had to confine himself to his house. Doesn't, doesn't this seem rather strange in light of his task to be a, a watchman for the house of Israel? The Lord just told him to warn the wicked and the righteous, and now he says, go shut yourself inside your house. How can Ezekiel proclaim the word of the Lord from the isolation of his house? How can he fulfill his calling from behind closed doors? Second, not only does he have to shut himself inside his house, but he will also be bound with ropes. Keep reading at verse 25. 
And you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. Ezekiel was going to be tied up. Again, we wonder, how can he proclaim the word while bound with ropes within his house? And then third, the Lord also said, verse 26, I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute and not be one to rebuke them for they are a rebellious house. What do we have here? We have a watchman for the house of Israel who's confined, bound, and mute. Confined, bound, and mute. It doesn't seem to make any sense. A watchman needs to be free. He needs to speak. He cannot be tied up with ropes. All these things seem to contradict the first part of our text. How should we understand this? Why does Ezekiel have to go through this? I believe we find the clue in verse 27. Have a look. Verse 27. God says, But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I will open your mouth. The confinement to his house, the binding with ropes, and the muteness symbolize the fact that Ezekiel could do nothing as a watchman without God's appointment and direction. You might say that he's God's captive. The symbolic actions were intended to teach him that he could not speak the word of the Lord without divine guidance. To be a faithful watchman, his speech had to be divinely directed. He could not reprove and warn his people unless God said so, unless God sent him and loosened his tongue. These symbolic actions taught Ezekiel that he was totally, totally under his master's command. He could not leave his house. He could not act on his own. He could not speak his own words. God had to send him and open his mouth. When he appeared and spoke in public, it was God's message spoken only by God's direction. He was God's mouthpiece. We need to understand these symbolic actions in light of verse 27. I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. If God told him not to speak, he was to be as a mute man tied to his chair in his house. But if God told him to speak, then God would open his mouth. And so Ezekiel was given a graphic reminder of his need for divinely directed discourse as a watchman. In congregation, we can learn from this also that if we admonish someone, we must come not with our own words, opinions, or personal agenda, but with the Word of God. If we're going to rebuke someone, we had better be certain that we come with God's authority. We must set forth His requirements, not our own. And then, when we come with the word of God, it is up to those who receive it to respond. The end of verse 27 says, He who hears 
let him hear. And he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Once the word is proclaimed and the warning given, the responsibility rests with those who hear it. Some will hear, some will refuse, but the responsibility rests with those who hear it. The sad reality is that sometimes there are those within the church who refuse to repent under the word and refuse to receive the soul-saving gospel. There were those who refused Ezekiel's message. There were those who refused John the Baptist's message. There were those who refused Jesus' message. The ultimate watchman over the house of Israel who sounded the trumpet for all to hear. There are those today who refuse to repent before the message of the cross. And so I ask you, do you hear God's message or do you refuse it? Do you hear his warnings or do you resist them? Do you hear the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ or do you refuse it? Is the trumpet a beautiful and welcome sound to you, or does it annoy you? Dear friends, during his earthly ministry, Jesus not only warned sinners of God's judgment, as did Ezekiel, but he actually bore God's judgment in our place, something Ezekiel could never do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That he bore God's wrath and judgment for sinners. Your eternity is determined by whether you hear or refuse that message. Congregation, may God give to each one of us open ears to respond to his word in faith. And then may God use you to speak to others to warn the wayward, to call them to Christ, to present the message of salvation through faith in Him, to sound the trumpet. May we hear the word and communicate the word. Let us pray. Lord, these are rather solemn words that we have just read. And we pray that we would take them to heart. Lord, may we be those who respond rightly to the sound of the trumpet. May we heed the warnings. May we receive the gospel. May we yield our lives with joy and gratitude to Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we may read in the Gospels that our Lord Jesus, during his ministry, not only warned sinners of your judgment, but that he actually bore your judgment 
on the cross in the place of sinners. We pray that that message would be precious to each and every one of us here. So Lord, even as you used Ezekiel in his day, we recognize the unique place that you gave him and yet we also recognize the importance of our task today, not only as office bearers, not only as preachers, but also as Christians and as parents. May we be those who sound the trumpet. May we be those who proclaim your word lovingly for the salvation of sinners. We pray that you would give ears to hear to each and every one of us here this day. We recognize, Lord, that sad reality of church members who sometimes turn away from all that is good and right and true and soul-satisfying. Lord, we pray that you would use each one of us to call sinners back to the word, back to the gospel, back to the cross. So, Lord, would you turn our hearts, each and every one of us, the children here as well, that their hearts would be given to Jesus Christ, that they would live their lives for him, that our young people would be passionate about your truth, that they would desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. They would love Christ, the message of salvation, that you will use them to make that message known to others for the salvation of others, for the building of your church, for the preservation of your church. Hear us, Lord, and receive our praises as we conclude this service. And bless our fellowship together in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.